How's everybody doing today? Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Everybody have a great week. Everybody's week good? Yes. All right. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear that excitement. All right. So we want to thank you guys for coming on today and welcome. Um, we're continuing our series from the book of First Samuel. Uh, we are uh, almost halfway through there, y'all. We're almost halfway through the whole entire book of First Samuel. Uh, we've gone through quite a few books in the Bible. Um, we've gone through Romans. Amen. We've gone through Judges. Amen. Uh, we've gone through Ruth. Yes. We've gone through Esther. Amen. And now we're getting through Samuel. All right, so uh, we're, we're, we're getting there. Um, sometime probably in the first quarter of next year, I'll look to uh, tackle 1 Corinthians. Um, so we're going to be walking through the word. All right, so you guys ready? All right, so we're at 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter. Um, before I even read the whole thing in its entirety, we're going to walk through it. Uh, but I want to make sure that I give you guys some pretext before we get to the context. Is that, is that all right? Um, or else we're reading it and we're not really getting uh, the core uh, meat of the whole entire message. All right. So uh, before we even get to certain names, before we even get to the scripture, I'm going to say certain names and you guys will be like, oh, wow. Um, I was talking to Nate this week, and um, there's a portion of this here that I actually could probably give him the mic and he could preach. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to let him sit there. I ain't going to put him on blast. Uh, so in order for us to really understand what's getting ready to happen here in the 15th chapter, we have to understand the history. So we understand there's a man by the name of Abraham. How many of you guys heard that name before? Amen. Abraham had a son, and his name was what? Isaac had a son, and his name was Jacob. He had two sons. It was Jacob, and what was the other son's name? Esau. Y'all remember Esau and Jacob? Esau is the older brother. Jacob is the younger brother. Their mother's name is Rebecca. Y'all remember Rebecca? Rebecca is pregnant, and she has, she has this abnormal pain going on in her womb. And what does God tell Rebecca? He says, you have two nations in your belly, and the younger shall what? Rule the older. So it has already been prophesied. So a lot of times we read uh, Genesis, and when we read Genesis, uh, there, there's this connection here where we think that Jacob tricked Esau out of his birthright. But if we read the text correctly, it was already prophesied in the womb that he would rule over his elder brother. So we see later on in the scriptures as they become adults, uh, Esau uh, goes after his flesh. And he's so weak in the flesh that he allows his brother to exchange his birthright for a, a pot of porridge, pretty much. And now Esau loses his birthright. And Jacob now takes this thing. He disguises himself as his big brother, puts on the fur because his brother's a hairy guy and tries to smell like him and does all of these things. And his, his father's blind. He walks in the room and he blesses the younger brother, thinking that it's the older brother. Mm. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there today, but I could go somewhere with that. Because in order for us to get the blessing spiritually, y'all with me? We have to look like the older brother. <laughs> y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. In order for us to get the blessing, we got to look like the older brother. Who is our older brother? Our older brother is Jesus. So when we walk into the throne of grace, we got to look like our brother. We got to smell like our brother. We got to feel like our brother. So it is actually some type of uh, a type of how we are to be when we go into the presence of our father. But I don't want to go there. I want to, I want to, I want to get back to where I want to get to. So Esau walks in the room later on and he's ready to be blessed. And he prepares uh, 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 the venison for his father. And his father says, huh? What happened? I just blessed you. He said, no, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. He said, well, somebody just walked in his room and I blessed and they got everything. And he says, uh, huh? He says, yeah, I, I put my hands on somebody and I gave them the blessing because they told me that they was you. And Esau recognizes that he was tricked by his brother. So there's animosity here. There's anger and hostility going on here. So now Esau hates Jacob. And one thing about hatred is that if we don't become delivered from it, it goes into the seams of our next generation. And they start carrying our burdens. So Esau has a son. 
and he seeps his burdens on to the next generation. And then after Esau's son gets the, carries this issue, he carries the daddy's issue and he gives it to his son. And his son's name is Amalek, where we get the Amalekites. Huh. We're going to go somewhere in a minute. Watch this. This bitterness was so bitter that they held it for over 400 years. Imagine being so bitter that you hold bitterness inside of you for generations. 400 years later, Amalek still hates Israel because of what his grandfather went through. You're carrying someone else's burden. <laughs> Amalek is carrying a burden that doesn't concern him. Watch this. Y'all with me? One thing that people don't talk about when they go to that scripture is that after Esau came in and missed his blessing, he still got blessed. Because now when you go later on in the scriptures, you begin to see that they became known as the Edomites. And they begin to own mountains. And they begin to own land. But they're so bitter that they can't even realize that they're blessed. Bitterness makes you so bitter that you can't even look at the blessing in front of your face because you can't stand somebody. So now 400 years has passed. The children of Israel are just trying to make it. During the day, God has a cloud. During the night, God has a fire. Every morning, they got to depend on manna just falling from the sky. Meanwhile, Edomites, the Edomites and, and all those from that lineage, they have mountains. They have land. They're homeowners. They're business owners. They got money in the bank. Everything is well. But they're so bitter, they look beyond their blessing to study somebody that's just making it. Yes, yes. Mm. <laughs> I'm struggling. And you hate me. <laughs> but you know what's so awesome? Is that sometimes the power of God is so powerful on your life that your enemies see it before you see it. <laughs> so Israel looks at the struggle, but Edom looks at the blessing. <laughs> You're looking at your struggle. I hate my job. And somebody's looking at the blessing. I wish I had that job. You're looking at your pocket. I ain't got enough money. And then somebody looking at you saying, I wish I had some money. <laughs> but you're so bitter and so caught up in your issues that you don't learn how to sometimes just say, stop and thank you, Jesus, for what I do have. When was the last time you just stood at where you were and say, I don't have everything that I have, but I'm still alive. I'm still breathing. I didn't go to the doctors this week and get an evil report. I haven't had to go into the hospital. I, I was able to sleep through the night and everything is all right. There's food on the table. There's clothes on my back. I'm getting ready to have some Thanksgiving. I was able to get a turkey from Acme this weekend. But we become so bitter that we miss out that God is blessing us the whole time. Amen. Israel is just trying to make it. Israel is just trying to make it. God is providing and they're living on nothing else but faith. Y'all with me? They're living on nothing else but faith. Some of us have this testimony right now. Yes. All I'm living on right now yes. is faith in a prayer. Every day. Every day. And while they're just living on faith, the guy that is bitter for 400 years comes from behind with a sword and starts wiping out their children they're weak ones, they're elderly, and they're trying to kill, this is Exodus the 17th chapter, they're trying to kill Israel while they're just trying to make it. Mm -hmm. 
But luckily, God was on their side. And he says, Moses, I want you to do something. He says, I want you to go get Aaron, your brother, and her, your brother-in-law, Miriam's husband. Take off to the mountain and keep your hands lifted. Watch this. Don't get a sword. Don't get a shield. Don't look for retaliation. Don't look for strategy. I want you to look for me. And as long as your hands are lifted, I'm going to give you the victory. Uh, I'm I'm here to tell somebody today, stop looking for strategy. Stop looking for for ways to get out of it. Stop trying to work your way out of it and just lift your hands. Because as long as your hands are lifted, you're letting me know that I surrender. You surrender to me. And when you surrender to me, that's when I arise. That's why the Bible says, let God arise. And what? His enemies be scattered, which means that your enemies become my enemies once you give it to me. I need somebody to just lift those hands right now. Uh Because you're going through something right now and you're ready to retaliate. You're ready to fight. You're ready to go after somebody. You're ready to cuss. You're ready to fuss. But God says, I don't need you to do that. I just need you to keep your hands lifted this week because this is going to be your week of victory. Thank you. I felt that for somebody. Thank you. And as long as his hands stayed up, they won the battle. But when his hands went down, they started losing the battle. I don't care how weary your arms get, keep them up. I don't care how tired you are, keep praising. I don't care how bad it looks, keep praying. I don't care what you're going through, keep calling his name. Because if you can hold on just a little bit longer, victory, complete victory is going to be yours. Don't give up. Keep worshiping. So they beat the Amalekites that day, but the Amalekites escaped. But thank God, God is not a God that forgets. And he says, because of what they've done to you, remember this. And just like they kept bitterness in their children for generations, I want you to remind your children of what they did to you when I was trying to bring you out. Because a day is going to come that you're going to be established and I'm going to give you victory over the thing that tried to take you out. Watch this. God gives them that word and waits 400 years to fulfill it. (laughs) Woo! Some of y'all looking for victory in a week. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some of y'all looking for retaliation tomorrow. And God says, I'm going to make you wait three to four hundred years. Now watch this. Y'all with me? The Amalek situation started in Genesis. We don't get here to 1 Samuel 15th chapter, which means that almost 800 years passed till God gave them the victory. Y'all quiet in here. So now we get to the 15th chapter. Y'all with me? And it says, Samuel told Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you as king over Israel, over over his people Israel. Now watch this. The Lord sent me to anoint you. Which means that your assignment ain't about you. Your assignment is about me. God didn't anoint you to operate in your own. God operated you to work in what he's assigned you to do. So what he's basically saying here is Saul... You work for me. I don't work for you. He says, now listen to the words of the Lord. This is what the Lord of hosts says. Watch this. I witnessed, which means that God saw it. I witnessed what the Amalekites, we talked about them, did to the Israelites when they opposed them along the way as they were coming out of Egypt. Now go and attack the Amalekites and completely destroy everything they have. Don't leave none of it. Because if you let any of it live, it will produce 
and give you another generation of chaos. This is the way we have to treat sin. You can't let certain things live. You got to kill it all because if you allow it to live, it grows. So he says, do not spare them. This is terrible because this looks like genocide, doesn't it? Kill men and women, children and infants, oxen and sheep, camels and donkeys. Now watch this. Oxen, sheep, camels and donkeys are good stuff. I can sacrifice, I can eat, I can travel. And God says, kill it. <laughs> Which means that sometimes God will put things in your hand that look good. And say it's no good for you. Y'all quiet. <laughs> all right, all right. Gary's shaking his head. He ripped me. Sometimes things look great and we have possession of it, and God is saying, let it go. But God, this, this look good. You know what I can do? And God is saying, this ain't what I got for you. Can I help you? If God is telling you to destroy it, imagine what He has for you. <laughs> if God is telling me to sacrifice that portion of my life imagine what the blessing is for the sacrifice so why hold on to something that he wants me to get rid of when he got something that is going to go above and beyond what I can imagine or think you know what I'm going to let it go so then Saul summoned the troops and counted them at Talium 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men from Judah. Saul came to the city of Amalek and set up an ambushment in the Wadi. He warned the Kenites. Kenites are another tribe uh, translated that means smiths, which means that they're good with, uh, with metals. So he says, since you showed kindness to all the Israelites when they came out of Egypt, go and leave. <laughs> I could kill you. But because you were nice to me, I'm giving you a grace period to get out of here. Because this beef don't involve you. Yeah. All right, all right. Y'all know I'm crazy. I remember this, this the movie Friday. Lila, y'all. When, when Debo came and he sat on the porch rolling dice with Craig and Smokey, and, 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 and uh, Bull came up with his dad and he said hey man I'm, I'm here to pick up my beach cruiser <laughs> he said what the beach cruiser you know the one I let you borrow and Debo hit him with one of these and he flew up in the air and I can't pronounce I can't even tell you what Chris Tucker said when he ran up to him <laughs> and Debo blew up and said it's my bike punk and the dad jumps out and Debo looks at him and says you want some of this old man he says no and picks his son up, drags him in the car, and pulls off. That's the Kenites. <laughs> the Kenites is the dad. <laughs> I had to break it down because some of y'all. <laughs> so he, he, he says, since you've shown kindness to us, I'm going to let y'all leave. Get away from the Amalekites, or I'm going to sweep you away with them. I'm taking no prisoners of who's ever in my way. So the Kenites, look at this, they was boys. <laughs> but after they got that warning, it's like, look, man. <laughs> Gracefully bowed out with the Homer Simpson into the bushes. So I'm always going over some of y'all head. So the Kenites withdrew from the Amalekites. Then Saul struck down the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is next to Egypt, which tells us that Saul went all the way down into Africa. Yes. That's right. <laughs> Saul is fighting in Africa. I ain't trying to get all deep. But it shows you that our identity is throughout the Bible. Next verse. He captured Agag, king of Amalek, alive. But he completely destroyed all the rest of the people with the sword. Now watch this. What did God tell him to do? 
kill it all. But who does he keep alive? The king. Why? Because the king can give him something that he likes. Philistines symbolize sin. Can I be, can, can, we, can we be transparent for just a minute? All sin ain't ugly. Y'all just gonna sit up here and make these faces. <laughs> All sin ain't ugly. So what we like to do is we can easily get rid of the stuff that's ugly, but we like to keep the stuff that looks good. Yeah, y'all quiet. Y'all quiet. We can, we, can, we can destroy stuff we don't struggle with. But we'll make an excuse for our struggles to keep it around. Oh, but she's a nice person, Lord. And if I could just keep her around a little bit longer, I can save her. Just give me some time, Jesus. And what happens? She turns you out. He turns you out. Because you kept something around that God told you to get rid of. The purpose of the Amalekites was to destroy them. Because if you let Agag live, Agag possibly will end up with one of your women and produce another generation of Amalekites who's going to antagonize your children. <sighs> Saul and the troops spare Agag. Watch this. And the best of the sheep, cattle and choice animals. What did God tell him to do? But he kept the best because sometimes the best looks so good. I just can't get rid of it as well as the young rams and the best of everything else, which includes virgin women. They look good, but they forget what you did to their daddy. They didn't forget what you did to their brothers. So they'll carry your seed, but they'll carry your seed with bitterness because of what you did to their family. Watch this. And now they're going to birth bitter children. And now you have bitterness in Israel because you made a woman bitter to carry your child who she didn't want to carry a child for. I love when it's quiet like this. So now they were not willing to destroy them, but they did destroy all the worthless and unwanted things. I don't want that anyway. They ain't my type anyway. I ain't never drank anyway. I ain't never smoked anyway. But you can't stop cussing. Pastor, you look, 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 look. It's just a certain way that I got to add things to my sentences <laughs> so I can win debates. <laughs> I need certain adjectives. It's just as sinful. Right. You're quiet. Amen. You like lying. You don't drink, you don't smoke, but you a liar. You a gossiper. A backbiter. Come on, let's deal with the, the other ones that we don't talk about. Yeah. You covet other people's things. Right. You scroll on Facebook and get jealous. Yeah. <laughs> How they on vacation? I know I make more money than them. You're coveting. You're carrying all of these other issues but you're quick to jump up and tell us how sanctified you are because you ain't smoked a cigarette this week. <laughs> so we kill the things we don't want. Watch this. But we secretly keep the things that we desire and don't tell nobody. <laughs> Y'all quiet. Then the word of the Lord came to who? 
Can I share something with y'all, those of y'all that been following with me and, and the whole book? Y'all with me? Did y'all guys realize that we didn't hear from Samuel in chapters 13 or chapters 14? <laughs> he made a grand message, I believe in chapter 12, and we never heard from him again. Ooh. But now God has an assignment for Samuel to come back on the scene. Hmm. So this is the first time we're hearing from Samuel in a long time. Because Saul has messed up completely. So God has to put Samuel back in his rightful place. I regret that I made Saul king. This is God speaking. For he has turned away from following me and has not carried out my instructions. Watch this. What he did was he picked and chose what he wanted to do in this book. Talked about this the other night with Nate. The children of Israel, I'm going to get out of here. Children of Israel are getting ready to come out of Egypt. Y'all remember that? And the Bible says that God tells them to get what? A lamb without blemish, spot or blemish. Uh-huh. And do what? Kill it. And do what? Sprinkle the blood where? Upon the post of the door. And he says, for some of y'all, that lamb is too big. Share it with somebody that may not have a lamb. But then he gets further instructions and he says, eat the whole lamb. The whole lamb. Eat his eyes so you can see like him. Eat his feet so you can walk like him. Y'all, y'all quiet. Eat his tongue so you can talk like him. Y'all, y'all, y'all. Eat his heart so you can think and feel like him. Eat his mind so let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Eat the whole lamb. What happens is we only eat what we like. I like dark meat. Some of y'all going to be fancy on Thursday. Where the white meat? Where the white meat? You got to cut it up and put it on different plates. And that's the way we treat the word of God. Y'all quiet. We eat the dark meat. We leave out the white meat because it's too tough. Oh, some of y'all are like, no, I like that wing. I like a thigh and a leg. So what we do is we do this. We open our scriptures. God tells us something. And we twist it. And we look it down where and it still say the same thing. So we... Let me go get my word study to see what sin really means. And we try to redefine the word because we don't want to eat the whole thing. (laughs) So what he's saying to Saul is you have not carried out my instructions because you were afraid to eat the whole word. So Samuel became angry and cried out to the Lord all night. Why is Samuel crying? This is the heart of a pastor. Samuel was rejected two chapters ago. Y'all remember that? He says, y'all rejected me. That was his way out. Not only have y'all rejected me, but y'all rejected God. Samuel could have went on. But what does Samuel say? He says, however, I will not cease to pray for you, lest I be in sin. Which means that even though I don't like you, yes, sir. I'm still going to pray for you. Yes, just so I don't be in sin. Oh, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Not only that, but I'm still going to go to Gigal. Yes. I'm still going to go to Mizpah. Yes. I'm still going to go to Ramah. Yes. I'm still going to do my assignment and preach the gospel even if you don't like it. That's the passion of a pastor. Preaching the word when nobody wants to listen to you. Yes. Preach. And it mourns him at this point. He's crying. One, 
because he's embarrassed. He's the one that took the oil and anointed him. And number two, he's also hurt because he recognizes that if they don't have Saul, they don't have me, and they don't have God, they all messed up. Watch this. He ain't crying over his soul. He knows where he's going. He's crying because people he loves is going to hell. See, we selfish. As <laughs> long as I get in. But we talked about this in Romans. Remember Paul? When he came to the Jews, he said, I wish if I could be in your place so that you could be saved and I would bear the burden of damnation. Oof. I love you so much that I'll go to hell for you. That's love. But only one could do it. And his name was Jesus. Samuel talked it, but Jesus lived it. He went to the grave. So he's hurt and he's crying out. And he's angry because Israel has lost its direction. Watch this. Everything we don't been through. Abraham then got up one day and said, I'm just going to follow God and followed God and God blessed him. Isaac picked up the mantle, followed God and God blessed him. Jacob picked up the mantle, followed God, God blessed him. Jacob's sons messed up, threw Joseph in a pit, but the sovereignty and the provision of God was so powerful that God followed Joseph into Egypt to make him a savior for Israel. Moses went into Egypt and they were enslaved, but God's hand was still on them. And in the Bible of Exodus, the second chapter, it says, and the people moaned, they sighed. King James says, by the reason of their bondage, and the Lord heard them. Yes, sir. And God immediately went to work. Yes, sir. They didn't call his name. Half of them didn't even know his name because they had been in Egypt for 400 years. But there was a certain sound that came from their heart that God remembered that they must be from the bloodline of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and brought them out of Egypt. And now we've gone this far and you want to reject God? Go ahead and preach. He has opened red seas. He has been a pillar of cloud and a fire by night. He has been our protector. He has been our blood sprinkler. He has been our atonement sacrifice. He has brought us through the book of Judges. He has brought us through Joshua. He has knocked down the walls of Jericho. What else can he do to prove himself? That's the burden that we have sometimes when we look at folks and you see how good God has been to them and they reject him. You see how God has brought them out and as God has provided and God has opened doors and God has done all of these things and they've done everything that they want to do and they're still alive and they still reject him and it pains you. That's what Samuel is going through right now. So early in the morning, Samuel got up to confront Saul. Watch this. But it was reported to Samuel that Saul went up to Carmel where he set up a monument for himself. I want to say some words. <laughs> this brother <laughs> has the audacity to think he did something right. And he goes and makes himself a statue as if though he has gone completely through with the word of God. Y'all, y'all with me? Y'all, y'all, y'all. Does this sound crazy? The brother makes a statue. Now in the first verse, what did God tell him? I don't work for you. You work for me. And if Saul would have did what he was supposed to do, Saul would have built an altar, not a monument. Every victory requires an altar, not a statue. But he wants to make a name for himself. Watch this. Sin 
produces arrogance. Arrogance produces selfishness. Mm. He's so arrogant that he makes something for himself, which is selfishness. Then he turned around, went down to Gigal. When Samuel came to him, Saul said, may the Lord bless you. Okay, he's like, he really think he did something. May the Lord bless you, God. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. What he said, I done picked and choose what I wanted to do in the Bible, and I just know God is pleased. Next verse. Samuel replied, well, this is, this, is why, this is why the name of the message is the way it is what it is. Then what is the sound of sheep and cattle I hear? <laughs> Y'all with me? You were supposed to kill it all. But I hear your sin. <laughs> sin makes a sound. Y'all quiet. If you did what you were supposed to do, why do I still hear your sins? Oh, y'all quiet. Can I go a step further? Sometimes sin carries a smell. Mm. You go through the prophets, God a couple times references how he smells a stench upon the earth. So he's saying, I you're telling me you did the work of God, but I hear your mess. <laughs> Y'all quiet. You're telling me you're a Christian and you're doing everything right, but I still hear. I hear your mess. Why am I still hearing your sin? <sighs> Why do I still hear the heart of drama in your heart, bitterness, issues? which means that you ain't been carrying out the word. So Saul said the, the troops brought them from the Amalekites and spared the best sheep and the cattle in order to offer a sacrifice. Watch this. We were trying to give you the best of the enemy as a sacrifice. That's like me robbing a bank, paying my tithes. That's me going right across the street to Sun Bank, robbing them, then coming in here with a big old bag and just dropping a duffel bag right here. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> this is my sacrifice. I almost sacrificed getting shot across the street so that y'all can get y'all, you know, y'all get y'all new building now. Praise the Lord. I was being obedient. <laughs> Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, he replied. I'm almost done, y'all. Samuel continued, although you once considered yourself unimportant, have you not become the leader of the tribes of Israel? Didn't I make you something out of nothing? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Not only was he from the smallest tribe, but he was from the smallest clan of the smallest tribe. And God chose the man from the smallest tribe, from the smallest clan of the smallest tribe and made him king. He said, so basically he said, did I not make you something out of nothing? The Lord anointed you king over Israel and sent you on a mission and said, go and completely destroy the sinful Amalekites, fight against them until you have annihilated them. So why didn't you obey the Lord? Why did you rush on the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord. I, I, I read Psalm 23. <laughs> I, 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 read, I read Genesis 1. I don't like Leviticus. <laughs> I don't like 1 Timothy. I don't like 1 and 2 Corinthians. I don't think you, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if Paul was right. I don't know if Moses was right. So I'm going to just take what I want out of that. Which what he's basically saying is, I picked and chose what I thought was right in the word of God. So I went on a mission the Lord gave me. I bought back Agag, king of Amalek, and I completely destroyed the Amalekites. I'm almost done, y'all. The troops took sheep and cattle from the plunder. The best that was set apart for destruction to sacrifice to the Lord, 
your God. <laughs> Watch this, you with me? The troops took the sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was set apart for destruction to sacrifice to the Lord. Who? Your God, Samuel. Y'all quiet. Y'all quiet. <laughs> we sacrifice to your God. Not mine. Which tells us the spiritual condition of Saul at this point. Now, can we go a step further? Can we just, can we just do a journey of Saul? When Saul went on a journey with his servant, his servant had to tell him what a prophet was. Amen. Yes. Y'all remember that? Yeah. His servant had to give him an offer. Yeah. They stood in front of Saul, the king, or the judge of all Israel, the prophet of all Israel, looked him in the face and said, can you tell us where Samuel is? <laughs> Which tells us that Saul never knew God. We go back two chapters and the Bible says, and this was the first time, maybe last chapter, that Saul had ever built an altar unto the Lord. And he had been king for quite a few years at this point. He's a king with no relationship. So he doesn't treat God as God. He treats God like the Philistines did who put the ark on a cart. He treats God like all the other people treat God, like some good luck charm, like some genie in a bottle. So he's basically telling Samuel, I did what your God told me to do. Hmm. Then Samuel says, does not the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the Lord? Obedience is what? Better than sacrifice. Look, to obey is better than sacrifice. Pay attention is better than the fat of rams. I'd rather you be obedient to this word than you be able to be the best giver in the church. That's right. Go ahead, I'd rather you live these scriptures out than to be able to just walk around and say that I'm the biggest contributor. Because if you're, you give and your heart's not right, now you move into manipulation. Now you dangle over our heads what you contribute to the church. I hear these stories all the time where millionaires join churches. They tithe and then they instruct the church on how to run a church. And if the pastor is not committed to the scriptures, he gives in and he runs the church like a business rather than run it after what God has designed him to do. Hmm. So what God is basically saying here is, is I'd rather a church of committed believers because if you're committed to me and if you study this word and you believe this word and you live out this word, I'm going to provide. Every door, every opportunity, every obligation that we have needed for this church has been met because we have done everything we can in our power to live out this word. It has never been about finance. It has never been about money. It's never been about millionaires. It's been about people that have been committed to the scriptures and have contributed and given to the kingdom because they wanted to be obedient to the word, not obedient to a business proposal. He has rejected you as King Saul, answered Samuel. I have sinned. I have transgressed the Lord's command as your words because I was afraid of, I was a people pleaser. Never was about God. It was about me making a name for myself and everybody telling me how great I was. I obeyed them. Next verse. Now, therefore, please forgive my sin. He's asking Samuel to do it. That is, that's the wrong person and return with me so that I can worship the Lord. Samuel replied to Saul, I will not return with you because you rejected the word of the Lord. The Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. When Samuel returned to go, Saul grabbed, him, grabbed the hem of his robe and tore it. You don't do that. <laughs> the hem symbolizes authority. In modern day military, they wear all of their badges up here. But during Judaism and their customs, they wear all of their honors and all of their uh, embroilies, or you know, y'all know how to pronounce words, down here. <laughs> yeah. 
So what it symbolized was authority. So the woman with the issue of blood said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. If I could get a hold of his authority, I'll be made whole. The Bible says, and I believe uh, Ezekiel, that he covers us with his garment, symbolizing that we're covered under the authority of God. Isaiah 6 chapter, and his train filled the temple, which symbolizes that the church was under complete authority of God. When David was hiding from Saul and Saul went into a corner to release himself, the Bible says that David took a sword and cut his garment to symbolize that I have ripped your authority. But then David repented because he almost touched the Lord's anointing. So when Saul grabbed and tore Samuel's authority, he uh, grabbed his hem, he tore a portion of his authority. It was deeper than just ripping his garment. He sinned against God. Amen. Amen. So then Samuel says, the Lord has torn the kingship of Israel away from you today and has given it to your neighbor who is better than you. Furthermore, the eternal one of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man who changes his mind. That sounds harsh, don't it? Sounds harsh, right? That sounds hard. Well, can I tell you that's a blessing? How is it a blessing? And I'm going to show you how it's a blessing for you because y'all looking at that, y'all like, ooh. So if God mad at me, I don't stand a chance. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says what? For I know the thoughts that I have towards you. What? Thought of peace. Not of evil. Jeremiah 3 says, before you was in your mother's womb, I knew you and or you to be a prophet. So because I cannot change my mind, because I ordained you in your mother's womb to be a prophet, you can do whatever you want to do, but I'm going to steer you to still meet my will. Y'all quiet in here. (laughs) Because I have thoughts of good and not evil towards you, you seem like you're in a bad place, but I've already predestined before the foundations of the world that all things will work together for your good. So even though you're in a bad place and I can't change my mind, goodness has to happen. (laughs) Because I spoke healing on the cross. By his stripes, we are healed. You're sick right now, but because I can't change my mind, I got to heal you. Uh, Your family is unsaved and they out there, they strung out on drugs, but because I can't change my mind that I would save your whole family and deliver them, I have to shift things. Y'all quiet. All right, I'm going to sit down. I'm so glad. This is when I can holler. Yes, sir. I'm so glad that God can't change his mind. I'm so glad that because he has had good thoughts towards me, I might be in the pit right now, but everything you meant for evil, God is getting ready to turn it around for my good. Do I got a witness in here? You done been through trials. You done been through tribulations. You done been through persecution. But God says at the end, you will win. And I can't change my mind. So good things have to happen. Great doors have to open. Family has to be saved. Your body has to be healed. Your jobs have to change. The house has to be yours. Y'all help me, Jesus. I'm not here to preach about houses and cars, but it has to work together for your good because God's mind has never changed. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man. All right, I got to sit down. Has he said it? Shall he not do it? Has he spoken it? And shall he not make it good? I need somebody to give their neighbor a high five and says it has to happen. So glad. So glad. I'm so glad. 
that he can't change his mind. I got to live. I can't die. I got to thrive. I got to do better. I got to finish school. I got to have a family. I got to have healthy children. I got to have new doors open. I got to have a saved family. Things have to happen because he, he changes not. All right, we got to sit down. Saul said, I have sinned. Please honor me now before the elders of the people before Israel. Basically, help me save face. I know I messed up. I, I, come back with me so I can bow and worship to the Lord, your, your God, again. He don't get it. Then Samuel went back following Saul, and Saul bowed down to the Lord. Samuel now has to do what, Agat, what Saul was supposed to do. I'm now saving your family for a next generational curse. If I don't do this as the priest, then this next generation, this is, this is, this is the most powerful intercession right here. If I don't do this, there's another generation that's going to have to deal with this Agag. So get me the sword. Watch this. I'm a priest. I'm not a murderer. That's right. But I'll become a murderer. That's right. If it's to glorify my God. Yes. Hmm. If it requires me to kill something that ain't right in my flesh, give me the sword. He says, bring me Agag, king of Amalek. Agag came to him trembling. He knew. For he thought, certainly the bitterness of death has come. And you right, brother Agag. Samuel declared, as your sword has made women childless. Look at this. So your mother will be childless. Among other women. Jesus told the Pharisees, you generation of vipers. Why did he call them vipers? Because they were the seed of the serpent. But Genesis 3 and 15 says that the heel from the seed of the woman shall crush the head of the seed of the serpent, which meant that the serpent won't be able to produce anymore. Samuel symbolizes Jesus. Crushing and destroying sin for all so that we could have eternal life. So he, then he hacked Agag to pieces before the Lord at Gigal. Samuel went to Ramah, which is his hometown. And Saul went up to his home in Gibeah, his hometown. Even to the day of his death, Samuel never again visited Saul. Samuel mourned for Saul and the Lord regretted he had made Saul king of Israel. Watch this. Ramah and Gibeah are only 10 miles away from each other. I get it that Samuel ain't going to come visit me. But why hasn't Saul gone to visit Samuel? Help me, Jesus. We have to be careful that we don't become so sinful that our heart becomes so hardened that we don't repent. All right, I got to I got to close. I got to close. That's good. Saul connected his relationship with God and the kingship together. So because I lost the kingship, I lost God. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. I can lose a job and he'll still be my God. Amen. I can lose family 
and he'll still be my God. I can lose finance and he'll still be my God. But when I lose those things and I hold on to them and not hold on to God, it shows me who my God was to begin with. So Saul wrapped his anointing all into the kingship, not recognizing that God was able to forgive if he would have turned around and walked 10 miles to Ramah and really repented before the Lord. But sin will harden your heart to the point to where you can't turn around and go back to Ramah. Judas did not repent till it was too late. Adam and Eve ran, but they did not repent. They tried to hide. When all they could have done was turn their back, back towards God. I'm closing here, but I want to say this. Don't get to the point to where if we make a mistake, we can't turn around back to God. Y'all with me? Don't get so caught up. See, that's the problem is we become the judge and jury of our soul and we don't give it to God. You, you, you told yourself you can't be forgiven. God never said that. Amen. You told yourself what you did could never be forgiven. God ain't never tell you that. You told yourself that. So now you won't be forgiven. Because you can't go to God. Give me these three points and sit down. Point number one. You cannot be halfway obedient to God. Either you're obedient or you're not. Amen. Anybody halfway fail a driver's test before? <laughs> Anybody halfway fail a drug test? Either you had something in your system or you didn't. Or you drunk some, 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 some tea the night before and you cleared it. But you did something to pass the test. It's pass or fail. <clears throat> you either hit the cone or you parallel apart. <laughs> Same way with God. You missed the mark or you hit the mark. There's no halfway. I don't want to go into mob deep. Ain't no such thing as halfway crooks. <laughs> Gary, the only person here probably know that one. <laughs> Next verse. <clears throat> Next one. God will break you to have his perfect will in his life. Because he changes not, he'll change you. <laughs> oh, I got some witnesses in here today. He don't change, but you will change. Number three. We must seek to destroy all sin in our life from the root. Don't keep the good stuff. Now, let me tell you something. Sanctification is a process. And I know we don't like to hear that. We like to hear that you can come to the altar one time and you're going to walk away and everything's going to be all right. No, it's not. Can I, can I be honest with you? I still pray for God to sanctify me afresh every single day. Every single day. It is a process that I'm going to go through for the rest of my life. So in order to prevent going back, when I see certain things that I have authority to destroy in my life, I go after it to kill it. I don't let it linger. Kill it at the root while you have the power. Father, we thank you. A little long today, God, but we thank you for the word. Thank you, Lord, for meeting us in this place, God. It's a long scripture, God, but God, just a chapter of so many valuable lessons. God, we thank you, Lord, for God. What I got out of this message today, God, is I thank you for changing not. Thank you, you, Lord, for how everything is going to work together for our good. I ask God that you touch each and every single one of us in this room, name by name, one by one. God, you know our requests. God, you know our prayers. God, we ask God that you meet every need. Touch our families. Touch our loved ones. Touch our finances. Touch our homes. Touch our jobs. Touch whatever is being affected, God. We ask that you touch it right now, God. God, keep us over these holiday weekends, God. We pray for peace, love, and prosperity, God. We pray, God, for just joy. 
Restore to us the joy of our strength, God, and we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www.go2hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week.